It didn't take much more than a bottle and two chairs to make a speakeasy. This is what Daniel Okrent said in his book, Last Call, The Rise and Fall of Prohibition. Today, join us for some stories. Get your own bottle, glass, mug, and relax. This is Speak Easily, and I'm your host, Krista Stoffer. It looks like maybe we have Josh as well, but his video is turned off. Josh, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, okay. I'm not rolling on video tonight, just uh, on account of my daughter if she wakes up. No, that's totally fine. Don't worry about it. You're good. <laughs> yeah, we, Josh, we understand. Ben's got a. Is, I've got a two-year-old who's fighting sleep right now. She's upstairs. I can hear her hooting and hollering from down. Here. <laughs> yeah. So I, I imagine similar to what you guys actually hear sometimes. So you know, but uh, you know. <laughs> We just have kids that don't like to sleep and they're older and they should know better. So we just, you know, I'm the parent that's like, yeah, if it gets better, we haven't been there yet. (laughs) How do you not like to sleep though? That's the part that I don't get. Like they're just, they're like, like across the board, anti-sleep. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. They, they like to tell us it's really fun because they'll come out and be like, I can't sleep. And we'll say, well, obviously, because you're standing here. (laughs) to sleep when you come out of your bed to tell us things so yeah my 10 my 10 year old says that she thinks she's missing something she's that's missing why she won't go yeah oh, well because she's like well why why can't i stay up you guys are yeah yeah uh, you're like because we're done with you we've clocked out. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> We have punched out this evening. Sorry. <laughs> Probably this this shows how great of a mom I am. But I think one of my favorite parts of this pandemic has been like, "Hey, mom," and I just say, "She's not here right now," and leave the room. It's been great. <laughs> that works. No, no. <laughs> I'm still there. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, we're really excited tonight. We we. I've got to tell you this first off. Uh, so James and Josh are here with us. And this is, we're calling this spook easily tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Did you come up with that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have I, to give her props because that sounds like the kind of joke that I would make. And <laughs> honestly, I was a little bummed out that I didn't think of it before she did. So there you go. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah it's uh the interesting thing, and I think I told you guys this in the email, that I don't record my podcasts from home if I can help it, simply just for noise and dogs and people that in my family that feel the need to come on. I think sanity's on that list too, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the main one. Um, so I record here in my building, which is the Columbus Performing Arts Center downtown, um, which is notoriously one of a very haunted buildings <laughs> downtown. So uh, Ben may be getting a phone call when I leave here tonight. Like, just stay on the phone with me. I'm freaking out. <laughs> so, so if the door behind you opens, are we supposed to tell you? Um, no, I can, I'll see it. And then okay. scream. And then I will never work here again. So maybe I should put an a email out to my coworkers. Like, if anything happens tonight, I'm just done. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, my goodness. So you guys... It, we're really excited. We really wanted to do something like a, a scary type podcast. So not saying it has to be scary, but you are essentially ghost hunters. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's, uh, ghost hunters, ghost busters. We, I think uh, Josh and I have been called many things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, okay. I have to ask, and I, Josh, I want to get you in on this too. So how 
okay, so let me start first. I'm so excited. Can you tell? I'm also nervous about a ghost popping in. So thanks for bringing that up, James. Now I'm freaking out about the door behind me. Um, but the, <laughs> where are you both from? Josh, you go Yeah, Josh, you go first. <laughs> um, I'm originally um, from Columbus. Um, I did. I've spent a lot of time um, growing up in Kentucky. So that that's, I think, what really kind of steeped me in, um, like, just odd superstitions and legends. Um, and then I moved back to the Columbus area with uh, my grandparents when I was probably around eight. Okay. All right. And then... And I was born and raised in uh, upstate New York in the Hudson Valley, which is a weird, twisted area to begin with. And I grew up in the shadow of Terrytown, New York, which is actually Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. And so I grew up hearing all about the legend of Sleepy Hollow and had twisted elementary school teachers that tried to convince us that the legend of Sleepy Hollow was a true story. Okay. And the fun thing is that we would go out there for the field trip and they would point out the characters that were actually buried in the, the cemetery. Um, I found out later that Washington Irving uh, uh, borrowed the names off the tombstones because he liked that and he, he liked the setting. So he just incorporated it. So at a very early age, I found myself thinking, okay, well, that's not a true ghost story. Yeah. What are the true ghost stories? And so I, got involved with my first ghost organization at the age of 18. Okay. And we were just a bunch of people that got together and looked for ghosts. We didn't have, I mean, this was, now I'm gonna feel really old, but this was in, uh, this was in 1985 <laughs> um, that I started doing it. I moved to Ohio via Atlanta, which is why my accent is all over the place. Um, and when I moved here in 1999, I was just looking to get involved with another ghost group, but there weren't any. And I was, I guess, naive and arrogant enough to think I'm going to start my own ghost group. And so I started the Ghosts of Ohio in 1999, and it's been running strong ever since. And along the way, we, we find people like Josh and his wife, Sarah, that have the same sort of uh, interest in it and we bring them along and then we become the ghost hunters and run around looking for ghosts <laughs> that's amazing i i guess my question for both of you is i mean not everybody is born into wanting to seek ghosts right so josh what was your experience like what kind of turned you your interest into this this hobby um, I think most of it, again, you know, was just really weird, you know, superstitions, legends that, you know, my family, um, they would talk about the, the house that I, we eventually moved into, um, when I lived with my grandparents, we just had all kinds of weird things, you know, that would happen. Um, it just, it just really, you know, made me think one day, you know, there's gotta be more you know, to life after, you know, people pass, like there has to be something else. Yeah. Um, and it just, you know, it, it kind of piqued my interest. Um, I lived right around the corner from Greenlawn Cemetery. Um, so, I mean, I, I mean, it, it's funny. I tell everybody that that's where I learned to, you know, drive a car. I figured what's the worst I could do, you know? <laughs> um, I mean, it just, exactly you know and it's just I, I was just always that that weird kid that you know 
I just always thought there had to be more to, you know, it, like I tell everybody, you can't destroy energy. You know, that's one thing that, you know, we all kind of agree upon. Mm-hmm. It's like, so, so what happens when that energy actually leaves the body? You know, it has to go somewhere. True. True. And then I guess my, my question too is like, does it, did it, I, I mean, obviously now it probably doesn't, but did it freak you out, those experiences when you were growing up? You said there were, like, weird things that happened in the house. Did it scare you, or was it just fascinating? I think at that time I was just young and dumb, and I was like, you know, that I'm just more fascinated by it. Like, yeah. I'm like, this is pretty cool. Like, you know, I'd go around telling everybody, like, hey, my house is haunted. You guys should come over and check this out. And <laughs> I mean, it. I, I don't know. It just, it never it never felt, you know, threatening or menacing or, um, you know, really you were never off put by it. It was just, you know, we just had an extra house guest that we couldn't see that would kind of pop in and out and move things around the house, open doors. And it just, it was just fascinating. Would they do chores? That would be, I would really enjoy (laughs) if that were to happen. (laughs) I wish. (laughs) Do you feel like, do either of you feel, we have a, a good friend of ours that, has had ghostly experiences his whole life and has talked about them on numerous occasions. Do you ever feel like they're attracted to certain people more so than others? I think, yeah, I I think definitely. I think that there is a certain, over the years I've kind of adopted this mentality of, well, why don't I put myself in the ghost shoes and see, you know, because a lot of times people will report this activity and you're like, that makes absolutely no sense. And so I try to come at it from a different angle and think, okay, well, if I, you know, suddenly passed away and came back as a ghost and I hadn't read, you know, the, the Beetlejuice book, the, the guidebook for the recently, you know, d- deceased or departed, there you go. Yep. There you go. Well, see, you would know what to do then. But I, um, if I hadn't read it, how would I know how to act or to make contact with the living. And I I do think that there is some, a lot of things that take place might be, I'm a firm believer in a lot of times when they have those EVPs, you get the ghost voice and they're, they're garbled and, or they, they sound really angry. Well, maybe it's just kind of ticked off because it can't get the message through. So I think very sixth sense like that if I were a ghost and I was trying to get a message through and all of a sudden I was like, well, wait, that person over there actually sees me or can is actually pretending as though they know what I want. So I think I would be drawn to that person. And I think there could be something to that. Um, another member of the Ghosts of Ohio, Mark, had a really interesting um, theory that he put forward to me because I always say that I, I can't, I very rarely see a ghost. Other people are always, it really annoys me because I've got to drive two and a half hours to this haunted place and sit in a dark basement for like six hours, drive home in the middle of the night. And I'm like, what? these other people are just sitting down and having conversations over coffee with a ghost. Why can't I do that? Why am I always having to, to go forth? You know, and I really want to see one. And Mark said, it could be that you just have to look at something differently. And when you do, you all of a sudden see it. And what he used in ex- as an example and he's trying to get me to do this and I can't, but those 3D pictures yeah. where you stare at them, I, I don't know if you guys can actually see the 3D things. I never could, but everybody that I talked to said 
they would stare at it and stare at it and they would never see anything. And then one day they would look at it a little different and this 3D image popped out and then it was always there that every time they looked at it, that 3D image was immediately there. So I think that's an interesting theory that perhaps the people who were able to see ghosts or believe that they are seeing ghosts, they've just looked at something a bit differently and now they're able to see them. Um, I think that also comes into play. I believe that, you know, the, the old theory where they say that, you know, children see ghosts more often than adults. I think there could be something to that if for no other reason that with children, uh, the weight of the world and reality has not crushed them yet and told them those are not real. The same thing with uh, animals. Yeah. You know, animals, they say, can see ghosts. I think there could be something to that because an animal has to, doesn't really think about something being imaginary or not real. They have to accept everything as being a potential threat. Yeah. So 20 minutes earlier, you asked a question that I, I, I think I answered, but basically, yes, I, I do think that there are certain people that are able to see ghosts more than other people. And I, I think the theory there is that they're just looking at things differently and might be drawing more attention to themselves because the ghosts are like, hey, check that person out. They can actually see us. Right. So because you do this, you said you haven't seen one yet, but definitely you've, you've felt things, obviously, that would keep you interested, I, I would assume. Yeah, and I have seen things. It's that I, I wish, and, and Josh has probably heard me wish this many times, um, but I wish it could be like the, the reality TV shows where they're not even out of the car. And, you know, things are levitating and, and they're getting pushed and knocked downstairs and the ghosts are making them write bad checks and all this wondrous stuff that, you know, and I go in there and I'm like, all right, here I am, you know, and I'm always convinced that the ghosts are hiding, you know, they're messing with me and then, you know, they're going to wait till I leave and laugh at me. But uh, I've have experienced the main thing that I've experienced when I've seen a ghost. The interesting thing is I don't think it's a ghost when I see it. Um, when we go out on our investigations, it's very, we try to make it as controlled as possible. And so we will say, okay, for this one period of time, this group is going to go into the living room and they will stay there for 45 minutes. This other group will go. So we'll, we'll know exactly where people are. And there's been numerous times where I've been sitting at, we call it our command center because it sounds very, very but it's basically wherever we can find a table to put our equipment. But I'll be, there's been numerous times where I will be sitting there and say, look off to the, the corner and there's someone standing there. It has a head. It's not floating. It's a, you know, it, it's a person. And I look back to say, who do I have to yell at? Cause they're not supposed to be anybody in that room. And in that split second, when I look down and then look back, they're gone. Huh. So there's been numerous times where I've encountered that, um, I've heard things. A lot of the, the things that I think could be evidence that I've experienced are when afterwards, when we go back and we listen to the audio or the video and there's voices in the room with me that are answering questions, but I didn't hear it in real time. So where is that coming from? So those are the little nuggets. They're few and far between, but those are the nuggets that as a group, um, what I love about the Ghosts of Ohio is that I've kind of handpicked everybody that comes from all different backgrounds with all different beliefs. So we have 
total skeptics to true believers, people who think they're psychic to people who don't think they're psychic at all. And what I love to do is whenever we get evidence, if you will, from an investigation, we kind of have our monthly meeting, we throw it out there, the different people will present it, like Josh will say, hey, I got this audio recording, this is where we were, what do you think? And then we fight, you know, friendly, but what I'm looking, yeah, kind of, you know, right. it's, you defend your evidence, but what I'm looking for is both the believers and the skeptics to rip it all apart. And if we can walk away from that going, I don't know what that is. That to me is compelling evidence, if you will. Interesting. Josh, what brought your interest besides the growing up? What brought you to Ghost of Ohio? You and your wife, because you guys do this together. Um, I've always, I think, been, to make a, like, a long story short, uh, Ohio for this weird brief period of time was a very... I don't want to say neglected, but there was just a lot of bad um, information out there. It, it was really hard to kind of, you know, sift through what was legit, what wasn't legit. I mean, you know, people were at, at, at most points in time were just copying and pasting stuff that they read on the internet. Right. Um, it was more of, I think it was um, James did Weird Ohio. Mm -hmm. um, and that, from that moment on, I just, you know, always kept up with like what he put out what books he was writing um just kind of pretty much stalking for a while um <laughs> and then uh, exactly <laughs> and i think it was um a westerville library like a meet and greet with the authors that me and sarah came to um and we actually met you know face to face and you know talked for a while and i kind of felt bad because i'm pretty sure we took up his whole afternoon and no one else really got to come up and you know say much to him but um it was just you know you could really tell you know this wasn't just a regular you know fly-by-night group I mean they they take everything seriously everything's real researched you can definitely feel that it's not just you know not everything's taken for face value right right so when you when you uh, as a group go into an investigation how does that happen? Is it somebody that contacts you or are you going to a place that has reportedly been haunted? Something like, how does the process start for your group? It varies. Um, there are a lot of sort of pay to play sites where they, you know, they've got um, historical sites and things like that that are in, not just in Ohio, but across the United States where you can sort of rent it out for the evening. Okay. And you know, you basically pay your whatever and you go in and you ghost hunt for the night. And we do those, um, but those are more for, I guess, fun mm -hmm. and more to just kind of like hone our craft, if you will, because we're not really, um, we're going for ourselves. Mm -hmm. But we do actually get, and it's interesting because it's, it's one of the reasons I really wanted to start my own group is the private investigations. And those are the things that if you go on our social media accounts and you won't find any information about that other than we offer them. Yeah. And that are people who have private businesses or homes that reach out to us yeah. looking for answers. And that's something that, and it is one of the main reasons that Josh and Sarah were invited into the Ghosts of Ohio because they are very, not only passionate about ghost hunting, but they are very compassionate. 
And the idea is that when we go into people's homes, we have confidentiality agreements where we will not talk about specifics, but you have to go into their homes and these people are, they're looking for answers. And so you have to go in there and a lot of times you have to fall back on, you become part therapist, part psychologist, uh, part like a, a home inspector because you've got to go through there. But it's, um, those are to me the most intriguing because they are um, a lot of these sort of public places that you can go into and pay for. Um, some of the activity that takes place in there is a bit played up because, you know, they, they are, and I can't fault them for that. You know, they are trying to make money to repair the buildings and that sort of thing. But when you go into a private residence or a private business, um, you tend to really find evidence there because these people not only don't really have anything to gain financially, but most of the time they don't want people to know. And rightfully so, you know, it's, there was a time period where it was cool to be known as, you know, the, the owner of the, the local haunted house, but now it's, you know, legally speaking, you could actually stigmatize a property if you did go in there and said, there's a ghost there. So it's, again, 15 minutes early, you asked the question, but the process normally starts with people that reach out to us through social media or through our website or uh, a friend of a friend. Um, as I said, we've been, we've been out there since 1999. So it's interesting because we've probably given away, you know, tens of thousands of magnets and pens and all sorts of things. The return on the investment is maybe it happens 10 or 15 years down the road when somebody at a party says to somebody, you know, I think there's a ghost in our house. And they're like, well, wait a second, there's this group yeah. that'll come out there. So, um, and interestingly enough is a lot of times when we go into these private residences, um, I call it, it's equating it to like ghostly fishing. We will try to do research when some, you know, we, to find out when is the activity happening? You know, is it only at certain times? Is it only in certain rooms? And then we will try to do historical research to see if something happened on that property or in that room at that period of time to see if that could result in a haunting. But a lot of times our investigations will take two, three, four, sometimes even more investigations because we will go out there, see if we can get anything look at that and then we'll it's it's so a lot of our investigations aren't these sort of one shot deals they're continuing and a lot of it is we will go out and say we couldn't find anything but you know what keep a journal anything that's going on in your house just write it down because that will sometimes open up new doorways for us to explore to try to find an explanation for what's taking place well i can imagine you said it was like part counseling because i can imagine if if you know that there is something there, I think that would change everything for the person. You know, it, would, it does. Or, yeah. and, and that's one of the reasons why, um, as a group, the Ghosts of Ohio, we will never present a homeowner with evidence and say, your house is haunted. And I personally have issues with anyone that goes into someone's house and says, you have a ghost here. Because I, for exactly the reasons that you just brought up, you have just shattered their world because an expert came in and said, I have a ghost. What we do is we will present them with things that we could not explain, you know, after we've had our knockdown fights and we've are, and we will say, these are the three things we can't explain. And we will give them copies of it 
and then they can do what they want with it. Okay. You know, we, we obviously don't say them. And because of this, you know, we, we've got a little stamp here. It says certified haunted. You know, yeah. we sign it. We don't have that. We basically tell them, do with it what you will. Because the worst thing that I think can happen is someone looks to us for answers and we go, we make it worse. We, we go in there. And, and one of the things that we don't do is what's very popular on these shows is we don't challenge it. You know, we don't go in there and tell the ghost, you know what, you know, these are the shows that I end up rooting for the ghost when they go in and they're like, oh, why don't you hit me? You know, I'm like, get him, get him, you know, um, Just don't do that. Because if you think about it again, if you put yourself in the ghost shoes, mm -hmm. if you were haunting a place that you loved when you were alive and you were content there and all of a sudden someone comes barging in and starts yelling at you, you know, dance, you know, do this, do something for me. You would be angry too. And so the worst thing I think we could do is go in there, make something worse, say, yeah, you got to go here and uh, see ya. You know, we're nonprofit. So uh, sorry, we got to go. Uh, so we don't, we, we allow the homeowner to decide on their own what they think of, of what we'd uncovered. Do you find that most of the people that contact you, is it because they're more fascinated or more scared? Like what, or is it about equal? I think for me, uh, you know, as the, the paranormal pappy here, they, they, I think it's kind of ebbed and flowed over the years. Yeah. Um, back when I first started, before, um, before these ghost shows really started, mm -hmm. most people just wanted to know they weren't crazy. Okay. So if you came in and said, well, actually, it's because the, you know, you have natural gas and the, uh, not the person that, the house has natural gas. Sorry. I mean, I do, but uh, um, but they <laughs> they uh, that went south really fast. There, I apologize for that. Um, but roll. you know, they they feel that they're being watched or something in the basement, and you find out that their dryer vent is hanging off or something. You know, you find a, a natural explanation for what's going on. Back then, they were fine with it. They wanted to know that they weren't crazy. Right. When the ghost shows came out, it suddenly became cool to have so it kind of switched yeah to they didn't want an explanation they wanted validation okay so they and and now and josh i'd love to hear what you think about this but it, it seems to me that we're at a spot right now where um we don't get as many investigations as we used to because i think because there are so many ghost shows everybody thinks I have a ghost and I'm now going to validate it myself. So they've watched a few shows and they take out a piece of equipment that will make you think that there's a ghost because they don't operate the way they're supposed to. But it, and so I think it changes as it goes by, but the people who contact us for the private investigations, by and large, they are still looking for answers. I, again, we've been around for so long that when they come to us, Back when I first started this in Ohio, we would get a couple of people that were trying to put one over on us. But I think now, if nothing else, we're looked upon as being the people that we take this very seriously. And as my yeah. dad used to say, I ain't got no time for fooling. Um, so most of the people that do come to us, at least if it isn't really a ghost, it's a real issue. There is something that's going on in their house that we can see that we can help with. Wow. But do you it's you, deep isn't it, it is. <laughs> i think i mean again what is so fascinating to me is that 
I think of those situations here in this building. And I know that most theaters have energies anyway. That it's, you know, it, it may be because it's a place where people come to gather. <laughs> it's going to make me sad. Came <clears throat> to gather. <laughs> no, we can't. But that, you know, I, I, I've been told by several different people that there's three ghosts in this building. Um, and I've heard the stories. And it's like, okay. So when I first started working here, I was scared by that. Because I usually will work by myself. I was scared by it. But then after a while, I was like, I'm just going to let them know that I'm here to work on theater, because that's what I do. So, I mean, it sounds weird, but now every time I come in the building, I say, it's just me, I'm just here to work. And I go up to my space and just kind of leave it alone, but I've felt very calm ever since I started doing that. Is that kind of a legit feeling? <laughs> if, if you're calm, sure, it's a legit feeling. I mean, I probably would be more scared of the people that are actually outside of the building, but... <laughs> But but again, if you put yourself in the ghost shoes, the thing that I've always found interesting is when people say, well, aren't you scared of ghosts for, for me? And I, I've never been scared of them. I actually, by and large, feel very sad mm. for ghosts. And we've all heard that that old ghost story about, you know, the husband and wife, they bought their dream house and then he went away to fight in the war and he never came back. And her ghost is now seen up, you know, on the widow's walk or walking around there waiting for the husband that's never coming back. You, you break that story apart. That is heartbreaking. How, how bad would it stink if your loved one passed away or didn't come back. And then when you passed away, you made a conscious or unconscious decision to not go to the light or wherever you're supposed to go to stay behind. Wait. And now he's still not coming back and you are all alone. I mean, that are the stories that break my heart. And so if you think about it, you were kind of afraid of something, but once you said, okay, I know you guys are here, you were kind of acknowledging them. Because how bad would it stink if all of us, when we're dead and gone, we're forgotten? That to me is hell, <laughs> you know? And so if you're a ghost and you're hanging around, sometimes maybe all it needs is a little acknowledgement. And by you acknowledging it, all of a sudden it feels better because the ghost is like, all right, cool. Yeah. You know, we tell people that the, the most important thing that they can do if they believe there's something in their house and they're frightened of it is to think about why why are you frightened of it? And most of the time it turns out because it's just fear of the unknown. It's yeah. very rare that it turns out that a ghost is actually, you know, knocking you downstairs and doing things like that. It's just fear of the unknown. And so we will try to educate them in that it's like, it's your house, you know, take back your house. There's no reason to be scared of it. Set down those guidelines. Yeah. And again, that's where, what I was talking about earlier, the compassion that Josh and Sarah had was really something that I thought, far beyond, you know, that they had really cool ghost hunting equipment. And they'd been doing it for a long time and knew all these ghostly places to go. It was that there was the compassion, not only towards the living, but also the dead. So that really, I thought was a great fit. Interesting. Have you, have either of you ever experienced a moment of being scared during these, these times? That's a good question. Um, Besides, unless you talked about natural gas, if there's a natural gas leak, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Don't light a candle. <laughs> but anything scary or or experiences that frighten you, at least for the time being? The one that I do you have one, Josh? Uh I do, but I was gonna say you, you can go first. Yeah, I've been rambling on though here. I'm stealing all the, the, the time <laughs> here. The um I'm trying to think of how to make this a short story because it's the it's the when the event happened um, that I'm going to describe, I didn't, I wasn't scared mm -hmm. when it happened or even afterwards. And it was probably about a year later um, when at one of my presentations, somebody said, what's the weirdest thing that ever happened to you? And I told this story and then went, that's really scary. And it has frightened me ever since. It's the story that everybody is always like, Tell that story because it frightens everybody. And it's the one that, and now I'm not going to be able to sleep again tonight. So, so thanks. Oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's, it's, it's a story that, that when I do tell it, I always preface it by saying, I want someone to explain this to me because I can't explain it. And it didn't happen as far as I know to me, but again, to just condense this story, we were at, the group was at Waverly Hills, which is, um, it's a big, it's in a, a big old t uh, TB hospital. Okay. It's abandoned. Um, it's a very famous place that it's uh, in, I was going to say Louisville, but it's Louisville. Louisville. Um, Louisville. There you go. Um, <laughs> and when we went down there the first time, what I like to do is when we were given the tour is to ask, well, where are people reporting where can I go to have the best chance of experiencing something? And they said to go up onto the fourth floor because they said that that is home to two things. One is that people reported seeing a doppelganger or a double. So basically people would like, if we were on an investigation, we're walking around and we, we look over and we see Josh sitting at a table. Again, he's got his head not floating and we might talk to Josh. He might talk back, but Maybe he does. Maybe he's just sitting there. But then we walk further and then we find out that Josh was outside the building. He was never in that room. So it's the idea that uh, there's different theories. A ghost is disguising itself as someone or, you know, it's got all different theories. But they said there was one of those up on the fourth floor. They also said that the fourth floor was home to what they called the creeper. And I always have to preface this. Here comes the nightmare fuel. But um, it was a an all black human shape that okay. crawled around i'll wait till you finish your drink there because <laughs> you don't spit at the camera <laughs> it was an all all black figure that crawled around on its hands and knees oh gosh on the ceiling nope. <laughs> and so <laughs> so they said if if you wanted to see the creeper what you should do is and the fourth floor is just the whole building is abandoned, but the fourth floor is just doors on either side, which are just patient rooms. The doors are gone. Everything is gone from there. It's just wide open. Right. But they said, if you get a group and you go up and you have one person stand at one end of the hallway, and then you have the rest of the group go to the other end of the hallway and you face each other and turn off your lights, that the creeper will come creeping up behind the one person who's by himself. Okay. So I said, I'll be the bait, you know, I'll go do it. So how did you lose that bet? <laughs> I took it. I took it because, <laughs> because again, my whole thing is that, well, this is what I want to have happen. Right. But, yeah. um, so we went up to the, uh, fourth floor and again, I 
just trying to get to the, the, the good part here, but there were four of us. There were, um, I was the bait. I was at one end of the hallway and two guys and a girl went to the other end of the hallway and we faced each other. And I had a, uh, a night vision camera okay. that I had in my hands. And then I have this, it sounds really weird, but it's really cool. I have this headlamp, you yeah. know, that, that I wear, but it's on a swivel because I always like do the gremlins thing and turn it on and blind everybody with the bright light. So I tilt it down. So it's always like illuminating down in front of me. So we went to opposite ends, we faced each other. And then what I did was I, I bent down, I put the camera down between my legs. Yeah. I stood up and I turned off the headlamp and I just crossed my arms and I stood like this in the dark. Okay. On either side are just open doors, doorways on either side, okay? Yeah. So got the scene, right? So here it comes. So after about 20 minutes, I don't feel weird. I don't hear anything weird. I don't see anything. There's nothing going on. Right. And then I hear one of the guys say, where did he go? And the girl said, I think he went in that room over there. And they went, Jim. And I said, yeah. And then the G-rated version of what they said was, oh, poop. You're allowed to cuss. That wasn't him. Oh, shit. That wasn't him. <laughs> so what, it's funny because what one guy and one girl, they said they saw the same exact thing. The other guy claimed he didn't see anything and he quit the group shortly after. But they claim that they saw, you ready for this? Okay. After watching me stand in the middle of the hallway, yeah. they saw me turn on my headlamp, illuminate my entire body, okay. bend down, pick up my camera, stand up and walk off to my left into one of the patient rooms, leaving an empty hallway. Really? I never moved. Huh. That's so, so that's the thing that scares me because I, I didn't move. Yeah. But they, and, and one of them is still in the ghost group, Mark. And he, to this day says, no, they thought that I had gotten bored <laughs> and you're supposed to like announce I'm going in this room or something, but they thought that I got bored because it looked like me. And I picked up my camera and I took the light with me when I went in there. Okay. And so of course I asked, I was like, well, where did, how did I come back? because they said there was an empty hallway. And they said that when they had the conversation, wh where did he go? I think he went in that room there that their eye lines went off to the right yeah. towards that room. And when they called out to me, they thought that I was gonna call back and go, yeah, I'm in this room, I'm bored or whatever. But when I called back and answered and said, yeah, from the middle of the hallway, they looked back to the middle of the hallway and I was back. Interesting. Yeah, that's completely unexplainable. Yeah, I, I don't. And again, if it was just that I was telling that story of what I thought happened to me, you'd be like, well, he had a couple of adult beverages before the investigation or, or something like that. He's on his meds, off his meds, what have you. But that was seen independently by multiple people. And I, I kind of sleep because I tell myself that nothing happened to me. I never left the ghost or whatever was doing something to their heads. <laughs> and yeah. so they, but, but I, again, I don't know. I can't even say that that's truly something ghostly, but that's been the one thing that's actually scared me, but not at the time. I was just like, that's crazy. That's weird. But the more I think about it, I'm like, where did I go? Yeah. Interesting.
yeah, I'm not going to sleep tonight. Cool. Um, <laughs> uh, have you had anything that scared you? Um, kind of like um, what James was saying, not in that particular moment, but then looking back on it, um, this was it. I was doing a public hunt at Mansfield at the old reformatory. Okay. Um, I was supposed to be meeting a couple friends up there. Um, they were totally kind of new to the idea. I was probably maybe three, four years into it. Pretty, pretty heavy. Yeah. Um, you know, they ended up backing out the last minute. I couldn't find anybody to go because at that point in time, I think they still require it. You know, you have to bring your driver's license. If you're switching over your spot, you have to make prior arrangements. It was just too late to even consider doing that. So I was like, I'll just go, you know, wander around. This was... I want to say it was the first of November. So it was already pretty cold. So I was like, I don't plan on staying real long. There shouldn't be a lot of people here. You know, I've already paid for my spot. I'm not backing out. This is, you know, that's one of my favorite places to go. So, um, kind of long story short, you know, we did the tour. I was kind of wandering around, you know, doing my own thing. Um, they usually deliver pizza, I think around like 10 or 11, give or take. Yeah. So I decided, all right, everyone's going to be, you know, in, they should be down into, you know, the cafeteria, of the, the old bullpen. Mm -hmm. So I was like, this is going to be the perfect time for me to go out, get away from all these, you know, screaming, you know, people that are just making so much noise and they're, they're pretty much just urban exploring at this point. Um, so I've always, the building it's kind of weird to, to say it, but it's like, I'll usually, if I just wander around a building, I'll find a spot that is just kind of like, ah, eh, this kind of feels a little weird. I'm going to hang around here for a while. Yeah. So I ended up in, it's the admin on the third floor on the east side of the building. Um, that's where like the, there's a notorious like chair room that if okay. you, you go in there and move the chair, set in the ghost chair, he gets like all bent out of shape and he'll, he'll either push you out of the chair or whatever happens. Right. So it i trying to remember correctly i wanted to say when it was still a working prison the warden was living there that area um they would have like the the guest bedrooms and at the end of this one hallway they had a stage so okay. they would use that area for entertainment what have you um so i had walked you know just walking around this area it just felt different mm -hmm. there was another couple that had come up behind me um, and that's why I was like, you know, I don't want to mess up your evidence. I don't want to, you know, be walking around. I'm going to go sit in the chair room. Yeah. And they're like, all right, not a problem. Um, and as I'm walking back towards to, to try to, you know, paint the picture of it, there's a hallway to my right, that dead ends. There is the chair room and directly in front of it, you can kind of see everyone coming and going and there's stairs that lead up to the chapel. Okay. Um, and I mean, you can see everyone that comes in and out from where I was sitting. Yeah. So as I'm walking back down the hallway, I pass a guy and I didn't think much about it at the time. Uh, he had on blue, like work pants and a blue shirt. Um, I acknowledged him. He really didn't, you know, usually some, they nod their head. They say something, nothing. The guy just, he looked like he was on a mission. He kept going. Didn't think anything about it. Um, I went, I sat down in the chair room. I was watching, you know, I could hear people you know, making a, a ruckus up in the chapel area. I'm like, all right, well, this kind of sucks. They're going to be coming this way. So 
um you know i go to it, I'm trying to think time frame maybe 10 minutes go by um and then that other couple that i had previously spoke to they had started coming that way i mean you can hear everything in that area um and they're like well did you see that guy i was like yeah i passed him they're like well he went into there was a far room uh, right by the stage and they're like he went in there and he never came out it was like i didn't i never saw him come back out so as we're standing there talking I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, you know, he didn't make any noise when he went by. Like there wasn't any footsteps. There wasn't, there, there was nothing. Um, so it, at that moment in time, I'm like, well, that was just odd. Like he had to go somewhere, but then looking back at it, there's nowhere that he could have possibly went that he wouldn't have doubled back out that I would have seen him. Right. Um, you know, it, it kind of, it bothered me for a while. And I was like, I, I don't know. It, it had to be explainable. Well, fast forward a few years, I've got a really good friend who volunteers at Mansfield. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was telling him about it. And, you know, as soon as I said, you know, he had on like the blue work pants, he had on like a blue work shirt. He's like, you saw um, what the warden would consider a house boy. These were inmates that were really privileged. It was kind of like a reward system that they would run errands for the warden. Um, they actually, at some point, you know, they would, they, one of them taught the, the warden's son how to drive a car. Like these were like really well-respected prisoners, um, you know, in the system for the wardens. They were like, you know, his go-to people. And he's like, yeah, man. He's like, that gets reported all the time. He was like, you know, it was just so odd though that, you know, I really, I was convinced I saw a real person. Like he, yeah. he was, was as clear as what, you know, we are now. And it was just, it didn't dawn on me until I thought about it. And I was talking to that other couple, but he didn't make any noise. Yeah. And I was like, you don't think about that in the moment. But then after the fact, I was like, I just passed a ghost and I didn't really <laughs> have anything to say to him. <laughs> say hi to you how rude. <laughs> and that's what I, yeah and that's what i mean I, that's that was the only thing that kind of struck me as odd i was like well he must you know be in a bad mood he must be looking for somebody mm-hmm. you know because it's not uncommon for you know people to get separated in a place like that and then right. you know right. there's really there's really no good plan to meet back up but yeah yeah i mean like i said it never really freaked me out until after the fact that it was just the whole thing that still sticks out is just he didn't make any noise like there was no footsteps there was nothing <laughs> It's weird. <laughs> oh my goodness. Where, what are some of your favorite haunts in the Columbus area? Your favorite haunted places? My favorite is the Thurber house. Um, okay. That's one that's fascinated me. And it, it kind of, everything came full circle because when I was a kid growing up in New York, I read the story the night the ghost got in, yeah. which I think is required reading in Ohio, I think now when you're a kid. Um, but I, I was always fascinated going back to the whole legend of Sleepy Hollow. Is it true? Is it not? I mean, I can almost recite the entire story the night the ghost got in. And to me, I was always fascinated with the idea that that story starts with the night the ghost got in, November 17th, 1915. So it actually gives you the yeah. date that the, go- the ghost got in. And I had always wanted to know, did that really happen? Mm-hmm. And so I was, 
I've been trying for years to get the Thurber house in one of my books simply because I just wanted to get in there and actually try to find out if it really happened and they would, they would have none of it. And then, um, and the, the, the current director there, I just happened to hit at the right time and she contacted me and I said, I'm writing this book, Central Ohio Legends and Lore. I'd love to include the Thurber House, but I, I have to know, did that really happen? Because James Thurber, he put a lot of specifics in things and he had a lot of things that really did happen. And then he kind of, I don't know, exaggerated many things as well. But I said, did that event really happen? And Anne said, it did. And you can still go to the Thurber House and if Anne's there, or I don't know if anybody else will, but Anne certainly knows, if you say Weird Willis sent you, she will show you the documents that Thurber actually did believe that a goat, that he had a ghostly experience that night. So much so that he would, and it's in his writings, his personal letters, that he would often, he was at the top of the stairs outside of the bathroom when he had, he heard footsteps going, running around the dining room table and running up the stairs at him. And there are sort of diary type entries where Thurber would say that he would often go and sit at the top of the stairs in the middle of the night and say, is there anyone down there? Because he wanted to have that encounter again. And so I became so fascinated with that, that I was like, wow, you know, now I know the date because it was November 17th, 1915. I can go and dig into the research and find out what happened. Who was this ghost? And so I thought, here it is, you know, I'm going to find evidence and become rich, famous and arrogant and get all this research. And absolutely nothing happened on that property on November 17th, 1915. And then I was very sad. But then I went and I read the second paragraph of the night the ghost got in, which said, the sounds or the footsteps began at a quarter past one in the morning. So then I thought, maybe that's actually the 18th, not the 17th. So went back again and found that on in the early morning hours of November 18th, on a year before the Thurber house was even built. But what was on the property was the the un-PC Columbus Mental Institution. And in the early morning hours of November 18th, it burnt to the ground and patients were killed. And there are reports in the newspaper of patients, sadly, on fire running in circles, which does mirror the sounds that Thurber heard. So I was just, you know, wrote that and I, I was just so intrigued with that as a story that Anne and I got to talking and decided, you know, it would be a really cool fundraiser for her, for me. I just wanted to experience this, but I said, why don't we do a fundraiser? All the proceeds can go to the Thurber house and we will do a raffle and the winner of the raffle and a guest will get to spend the night inside the Thurber house with the ghosts of Ohio on the anniversary of the night the ghost got in. And at the time when Thurber had his experience, we will stick the prize winner and the guest in the same exact spot that Thurber stood to see if they would have the same experience. Because to me, that's all the reasons I got into this. Yeah. Scary ghost stories, history, 
and the idea that they could collide <laughs> together. And so the first year we did, we've done that several years. The first year that we did it, um, the contest winners were not very into it. Yeah. They were like, well, we just have to stand. I mean, they, 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 they were more into the, the giving money to the Thurber house yeah. and, and they, as opposed to doing an actual ghost hunt and absolutely nothing happened. The next year, I've never actually asked them, Josh, but we'll, we'll have to ask them, but uh, friends of Josh, who he actually goes ghost hunting with, they won the second year. And they were totally excited. They were into it. They had their own equipment. They, they were just really, really excited. And kind of circling back to what we were talking about earlier, when we went there and Josh and I had taken separate cars that night and we were just waiting for Ann to sort of open up the Thurber house for us. So I got out of the car and Josh got out of his car and we were like, is Ann here? because the lights weren't on and then Ann came out and she goes are you guys coming in and we were like well we didn't know if you were here or not and she goes there's something going on she goes it feels weird and we were like oh we got to go in and so we went in and Josh which is another reason why I looked to him on investigations is what he touched upon earlier I can say to Josh where do you feel something and sometimes he's like I don't feel anything and other times he's like I feel something over here it was up in the front parlor where Anne had felt weird and where Josh said, yeah, something feels off here. Mm -hmm. So we ended up having the, you know, the equipment was kind of acting weird. And when it came time for the exact time when the ghost got in, we were all, Anne was with us and we were all down in, you know, in our command center, which was in the middle of the living room. But we put the contest winners at the top of the stairs and we could see them. And we could also see the dining room where the footsteps supposedly happened. Well, we had them stay up there for like a half hour. We didn't hear anything. We had microphones and studio microphones and all this stuff. And we didn't think anything happened. And they came down and they said, well, you guys are still here. You know, I'm paraphrasing. We are like, what are you talking about? And they said, well, we thought you were leaving. We heard you like dragging the equipment across the floor and coming in and out of the door. And we were like, what are you talking about? And we they play back their audio and you do hear something being dragged like across the floor and they even remark to each other is that them and they're like yeah that's them it's very loud yeah. our microphones when you go back and listen to it you hear what sounds like footsteps there's things being dragged across what is the dining room floor which we were standing next to and there was nobody in that room there's also a wooden door that opens and closes and you hear what sounds like a woman talking you can see us on the video so at that point in time nobody's talking nobody's moving so we were like holy cow was did we just experience a version of what james thurber yeah. experienced and so it's it's fascinating. And, and on top of that, it goes back to the first time we did it, same sort of experiment, but the people weren't really into it. So did they change the atmosphere where the ghost kind of like, eh, we ain't going to hang out with you guys. You're kind of boring. But the next time we did it and people were really excited where they're like, all right, we're going to make an appearance here. So I, I don't know, but I do know what came out of that is that when we go into investigations because of that particular night at the Thurber house 
when we go and do investigations, we set up all of the equipment and then we take 15 to 30 minutes to almost decompress, do a relaxation, almost like a self-guided meditation to basically say, you know, when I get home that I got to pay the mortgage, I got to get up early, I got to do, but right now I got to put myself in the right frame of mind. I'm here. I want to actually reach out to the other side. And if they're here, communicate with them. And we seem to get better results when we do that. You know, it's kind of shutting out the outside world and just focusing on the moment, which I will say, I have no idea how to do that in these troubled times. So I don't know if it would work, but it, it's something that came out of it. It was again, going back to what I was rambling on about earlier. It's how do we, people have been looking for ghosts forever. And there's not that one piece of evidence that everybody can look at and say, that's a ghost. So we're clearly not doing everything right. So how can we look at things differently or how can we make ourselves more receptive or be nicer to the ghost, you know, or change our, what we're throwing out to the universe to see if it answers back and let's change, you know, and I keep going back to it, but that's who everybody in the ghosts of Ohio is open to is changing because we openly admit we don't have all the answers, but that's the fun part to try to find them and to come up with the way to find those answers. It's the thrill of the chase, really. Absolutely. Have you done, have you guys visited any of the theaters in Columbus? I mean, there's not that many, but have you done any time in any of the local theaters? I have done two that were technically private investigations, so I can't talk about those. Um, yeah, just, just two and did not really get anything substantial. Okay. But I think we need to come down after this is all undone and we're allowed to go back to the new normal and come see if something will open that door behind you. Oh, not the door. Okay. So <laughs> the fern. Can the fern move? Yeah. <laughs> but see, that's clearly paranormal. Ferns don't move like that on their own. The rest of the building is paranormally <laughs> spectacular. Let me assure you. Like the, the rest of the building is it's old school and kind of industrial era. Very creepy. It's, it's, a, it's a neat place. It's a very yeah, cool I place. I've really been honestly because I've worked here by myself I've kind of become fascinated and like so what is the history of this because I think it started off as more of like a warehouse but in the basement we have <laughs> it's always the basement of course it is <laughs> it is creepy as all get out down there and we call it, is it quite a basement I'll be honest with you it's what it's quite a basement I'll be honest it's it's something else down there I had, oh, I, had I like it I had to take some storage stuff down and I called one of my one of my coworkers. I was like, you're staying on the phone with me while I'm down here, just so you know. Um, well, well, you you just have to say the word. And we I mean, we this, this is shameless self-promotion here, but yeah. we don't charge. It's totally confidential. So you can edit this out before you air it. But we we do not make any of that public. Yeah. Um, and we have got a. Wendy and Sam, I mean, Sam's a librarian, and they would be chomping at the bit to, to dig into the history of that building. And perhaps more importantly, is that we, we encourage, especially if you guys have had experiences there, to take part in the investigation. We won't make you bait. You know, the only thing that we, we do is because it's actually going back to what I was talking about, it's somewhat empowering. Yeah. And most people are like, who've had experiences there, we will use that to try to hone in on specific areas and see if we can figure out what's going on. But we also find that it takes the 
the fear aspect out of it, because when you start to see how we sort of take a pseudoscientific approach to how we do investigations, as opposed to, we do have people that say, oh, I feel something tingly, but that to us isn't evidence. We want to have, we want to have a multitude of evidence compiled up again. So if you felt tingly in one area, we would want the equipment to sort of react to that. And we would also want historical documentation that something happened there to really boost it. But people, we have found, we have done uh, several libraries that I, I can probably, I won't talk about specifics, even though I probably could that have, um, that one library in particular, one of the ghosts was um, supposed to be the one of the head librarians who was unfortunately and was documented murdered in the building. Um, so we brought Sam, not only because she's a great investigator, but because she's a librarian. Mm -hmm. We uh, had other female librarians yeah. go out there on the investigation and we had them just sit and talk about library things, <laughs> you know, but it, it's the same idea that if the ghost was there and if it was the ghost of a librarian who had passed, she might feel more comfortable making her presence known if she is among peers. So the fact that you guys are people that spend time in the building, they might know you as opposed to who are these guys with all this fancy equipment? I'm not talking to them. So yeah. shameless plug over, but no, in all seriousness, I know that, you know, Josh is giving me, you know, kicks over the internet right now. He's like, say something, but we, we would be honored to actually come in and, and do it an investigation at any point you know i would be fascinated by it i mean it's you know for me again i joke like the biggest thing for me is i don't want to be scared and they have the ghosts have absolutely respected that i'm like i'm not going to get in your way if you will please just not show yourself so i can work here in peace but what's interesting during this time is that those of us that are still in the building have been noticing more little things happening and this the thought is that they're disappointed because we're not doing theater right now. There's no kids in the building. There's no audiences. There's no shows. There's no lights. That the You're hours bored. that yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you know we're we're doing little things here, mostly over a camera as we do. But no, they they've always seemed to take care of us and kept us safe. One of the gals that does the lighting here, she said it, it was made very clear to her one night. It's time to go that it was time for her to go home <laughs> and you know it's just sort of odd that it's like now there's more stuff happening because there's nobody here and that i mean is that fairly t like they they kind of want to be seen sometimes or heard or acknowledged or or again put yourself in the ghost shoes if if this is a a ghost of someone who has decided to stay there it's probably because they were somehow connected to the theater, maybe yeah. not even as an actor or an actress or, you know, or a stagehand, but maybe somebody who just, that was where they liked to come to actually see performances. So it might not be somebody that's directly, it could be a patron, but if you want to, and I should have prefaced this, but th these are one of my infamous two bottle conversations. <laughs> you need two bottles of really good wine to dig deep in this, yeah. unpack it all together. but. If you think about that, so they are choosing there because they like the environment. They like being there. And you said it yourself. It's not the same. Where, where is, where's the excitement? Where's, you know, because it's not there. And who's to say whether uh, 
this ghost knows what a global pandemic is, you know, I mean, it's, I'm being somewhat sarcastic, but also, you know, they might not know. They're like, where's, where's the laughter and the excitement, all these things that, you know, that I came here for. There's also that theory, you know, when Josh talked about that, you can't destroy energy, you can change its form, but there is a theory that a ghost in order to manifest or do what it wants to do, it needs to draw energy out of the environment, which is where sometimes you will hear people talk about, you know, there's cold spots. It's because the idea that the ghost is drawn the heat, the energy in the form of heat out of an area. That's a theory, but it's the idea that it's quite common where people will say, use our energy, you know, use my energy to do what you want to do. If you think about a performance that's taking place, there's a lot of energy in that room that the ghost might've been totally into because they're like, man, I can chew on all kinds of stuff here. And, you know, I can, and now that's gone. Yeah. So it doesn't really surprise me that there's not, that they're trying to make themselves known because I've also found that it's quite common that I, I equate ghost activity to like a small child. They're trying to get your attention. They call your name. You don't pay attention. Next thing you know, they're pulling on your pant leg, trying to get your attention. You're still not paying attention. Well, they're going to chuck some things across the room until you finally acknowledge them. Yeah. So I, I, it makes total sense to me that there is more activity sort of taking place. This because they're kind of like, where is everybody? It's so weird. We, I was downstairs with one of my coworkers and out of nowhere, with nothing prompted, moved, a glass jar fell off of a different part of the shelf. And so she immediately goes, Aggie, stop. Agnes is who this theater is named after. So we, we frequently talk to Agnes. Um, supposedly in the other theater was a stagehand who hung himself. So that one's a little more tragic. We stay out of that space quite a bit in general right now, but it's just interesting how we have two different theaters and it's almost like occupied two different spaces. Is that this? Okay. This is another weird question because I just don't get it, but I'm fascinated. <laughs> Do ghosts know of other ghosts there? That's a two bottle conversation <laughs> right there. I think in some instances they do. Okay. Um, Cause we've picked up on, and again, every location is different. Every, you know, energy that that building has, you have to take, you know, everything into, you know, kind of account and effect. But um, there's been a few buildings that we've been in that we've, you know, we've captured audio of it's two people clearly having a conversation with each other, um, you know, or, um, you know, going back to like to, to Mansfield so many times, um, you know, there are spirits up in, um, it's like the attic part of the building that, I mean, I'm convinced that, you know, there's multiple there, they interact with each other, you know, they, it's almost like they're formulating their plan of attack on everybody that's there kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, there's no way that, you know, just one of them can cause that much ruckus and do everything that's going on. But I, I, yeah, I mean, me personally, I do believe in some instances, you know, they, they do know of each other. Yeah, when Josh was talking about the, the like that sort of the two way conversation, we're not really a big fan of where if you can't really understand what they're saying, you know, and slow it down and do that. If you if you manipulate it, then you start hearing things when there's nothing there. But there have been instances where you hear two distinctly different voices, and they are 
carrying on a conversation where both parts are in context. So it's almost like a call and response. So it's not as if you're picking up just random things. Um, we also, which I think further makes it that we've had, there's two instances that come to my mind where we got this sort of two-way conversation and those were recorded on off of our studio microphones, which those we actually hardwire into a, a mixing board. And so it's not like we're using a wireless device that could be pulling a stray signal out of somewhere. But the weird thing is when we go back and look at, we analyze it because we're like, that, those sound like voices. It sounds like they're saying this. When we look at them, what is totally bizarre is you can look at the voice patterns and, and you can determine that they fall within the range of a human voice and yet they don't match the voice pattern of anybody else on the investigation at the time. So these are two different voice patterns that are having a conversation and they don't match anybody that's there in the room at the time. So you're like, where is that coming from? It does clearly sound though that it's like two people just having a conversation. Okay. But then it that's, begs that's the thing that, it, do they know each other are there but they don't realize we're there. <laughs> right. That's okay. the stuff that really interests me because I'm, I'm a bit of a tech guy uh i mean that's that's my job on the show is to kind of make the, the show happen so it's like you know microphones and cameras and all that stuff like i mean that, that's my life but like I've, I've always had a fascination with this stuff as well so it's like i mean i guess like to me like what what kind of gear do you guys typically roll out with i mean you say studio microphones i mean you know i've got studio microphones things like that i mean what what, what do you guys use we use a the verilux microphones with we put shock mounts on them um, and we, they are, we have got a, I'm trying to see the number. It's a Korg mixing board. It's a D888. I think you don't have to give me like, some yeah, it's, I'm sorry. You said you were into that like, stuff. Yeah. Do you guys like, do you do cameras? Do you do, I mean, what yeah. do you guys do? We take, and again, going back to the idea that I don't think we've got the one piece of equipment that, works the whole time so we will have everything from um in addition to having our studio microphones that are hardwired we'll go in with digital voice recorders we even did an experiment at one place where we took everything from a full-blown cassette like boombox recorder a micro cassette recorder we will bring everything from polaroid cameras to digital cameras 35 millimeter um, we will use video cameras, infrared, we'll have infrared extenders on that. Um, and then we'll use the basic, there's a whole range of, that usually fall into uh, EMF detectors, which is electromagnetic field, which is basically a real field of energy, but it's anything that's got an electric or a magnetic charge. Those are the things that flash and do those crazy things. Um, we'll use an array of those but what we're looking for is a spike that doesn't make sense. I mean, you'll see them on the shows. They walk around and they wave them around. Well, the battery's going to move around inside and it's going right. to make the EMF fluctuate. So we right. will set them on tables and see. And most of the time they don't do anything. But we're looking for weird fluctuations that if it does happen, say, in a specific area, we'll then say, well, is there wiring in that wall? Is there you know, something going on there? Um, we've even used... 
gosh, Josh, what else do we use? We did, we use the, um, we've tried that camera that's all the rage now that connects, which is that, that makes the 3D stick. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen any of those. Um, I still think they have applications within the ghosts of Ohio, but the ghost shows use them because um, if you haven't seen them, they basically, they say that it's a camera and they point it at things and then all of a sudden, a stick figure will appear where there's nothing and they'll say it's a ghost and the ghost is usually floating in the air. Or, oh my God, it's right there. And there's nothing there. It's a ghost. And um, the technology. You say the connect. This is like the Microsoft Xbox connect or. Yes. 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 Oh, and so. A reliable piece of equipment. Sure. Well, yeah. And what, the, what they do with it is what we do is um we try not to break the equipment, but when we get it, we crack it open and we're like, what is this thing really doing? And Ben, you're exactly right. What, what the Connect is designed to do is for like Madden football and things like that. It is designed to find something and plot it out in human form. So it's basically for like Madden football, it's looking that when somebody standing in front of it is running, it's trying to find its legs. And when it finds a leg, then it looks for a foot and then it connects it that way. So it's designed to look at nothing and find human figures. So what we found is that um, a good example would be like your staircase behind you, Ben. If we put the camera on you and turned it off, it would find you right away, but then it would probably try to turn each one of those spindles into a torso. Sure. And yeah. then it would stretch out and try to find, and it's not yeah, that yeah. there's a ghost there. So it's, right. but it looks spooky on these ghost shows. Now, what we have done with it, where I still think there's applications for us, and it hasn't been successful, which makes me think we can use it, is once you let the camera sit for a while and focus on that uh, same area, it'll calm down and it'll say, okay, those spindles are just spindles. It's not a person. And so what we've done is locked it down on a tripod and pointed it down an empty hallway, let it freak out for a little bit, and then just let it record what we're hoping is that after, say, four or five hours, it's suddenly in that empty hallway, picks up on something moving when there's nothing there. It hasn't done that yet. But again, by and large, that's equipment that we've tried and then went, yeah, this really doesn't do what it's supposed to. So, yeah, it, it's a wide. We will watch these ghost shows to see what they're doing and what they're using. And then, like I say, we'll go and we'll get one, break it open and then go, OK, yeah. this is not. Well, I mean, give it all, give it a shot. Sure. I mean, anything you can use to collect whatever you can. I mean, I think I like the, the approach of, you know, Polaroids and everything like that. And, you know, film works differently than digital CCDs do. So, I mean, yeah, it makes sense right. that that might capture something that's, I don't know, not visible in a different spectrum or something like that. Yeah. I mean, a fascinating thing about the cameras specifically is that still to this day people will talk about ghost orbs that you know oh, I, I took a picture and i got a ghost orb if you look at the history of of, of spirit photography which is weird because there's actually books on that but the original ghosts that people were supposedly capturing that weren't faked but they looked like people there were no orbs these ghost orbs popped up right around the advent of digital cameras because it was the way that they were processing. And, you know, I mean, 
we were all excited when we got our first digital camera, you know, we take a picture and it would say processing, 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 <laughs> you know, and you'd go have a sandwich and come back and you got a picture and it had all these dots on it because like you said, Ben, it's totally different with the way that you take a picture with a digital camera versus a 35 millimeter. You're not burning onto the negative. And what we used to do, which was was great fun. My wife thought I was crazy, but you know, well, she still does, but not because of this. But we would tell people if you get something weird with a digital picture, keep taking pictures to see if it's in all of them. But if you're specifically going to take a digital camera to try to find ghosts, you're in the perfect testing ground for a digital camera. Ohio, the weather changes every 15 minutes. So go outside when the sun is out and take eight or 10 pictures with the flash, without the flash, then wait 15 minutes to where it's suddenly snowing in August and take pictures again and see what reflections happen off of snow. What happens with raindrops? I would go out and this is where my wife thought I was kind of crazy. I would go out into the garage and sweep it up and then take it the, and throw the dust and the dirt up in the air and take pictures with the digital camera because then I could see what dust particles look like. Yeah. And we tell people do that because then when you get something weird, you kind of have something you can compare it to and say, okay, you know what? It is dust or no, it's not dust. It's not this. And that's the way I think it's it's easy to approach as opposed to saying, oh, that's weird ghost, <laughs> you know, like on the ghost shows. I wish I could do that. You know, you hear a weird noise. They're like, that's a ghost moving on, you know, <laughs> as opposed to Josh and I, I would go, well, let's see, let's go back and recreate it and let's do this. And, but yeah, no, I, I, I could wrap about tech. It would probably get very boring very quickly. Uh, Are you, no, you would be surprised. It would not. <laughs> I didn't know Ben was a rapper. I'm glad that after. <laughs> I am. Right. I am. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, guys, this, I want to, I want to keep going, but I know we all <laughs> children and, and jobs and such that, yeah, I should probably go home to my kids at some point tonight. But tell us, I guess my, my last question for you is, are you able to do anything in this time, in this COVID time? Um, by and large, no. It's um, We have had a couple of our sort of public ghost hunts that we had actually put our deposits down on for, um, one of which was an old opera house. Mm -hmm. But because those are not able to function as their normal business, right. no, we can't go in there. The private investigations, we are still moving forward with those with regard to people keeping their journals. Um, they can still communicate with us. With, we've done um, conference calls with them and stuff as, as opposed to actually going out there. Um, we probably could, and there are a few places that are allowing people to go back into, but it's just, again, going back to, we want to kind of be respectful. And I think not only are ghosts a big unknown, but what is actually going on right now is an even right. bigger unknown. Um, so we're kind of staying busy with just walking people through things right now. The good news is that when, whenever this finally gets lifted, there are a lot of places that we can actually go to and get back into it because we're all sort of chomping at the ghostly bit to uh to get out there again i get it i get it well and i'm thrilled that when we do finally get to meet in person here for you investigating ghosts that means our theaters will be reopened again too so yeah indeed 
Like, well, can no, I we should definitely have have you guys out to do the CPAC, and when you do that, I'll bring my equipment too, and we'll we'll double everything up. That's no, that would be that, that would be awesome. totally cool. Yeah. It's as I said, it's the idea that that's your guy's second home. So if anything, the ghosts are going to know you more than they're going to know us. Yeah. And and part of a thing that we go into is you know. A lot of times on these ghost shows, they'll say things like talk into this microphone or do. And we had our two bottle conversation, which was like, well, what if they don't know what a microphone is? You know, and so we started saying, you know, we started using candles and we're like, can you move the candle flame or getting a bowl of water? Because we figure no matter what time period you're from, you know what water is, hopefully. Um, so the idea that you're bringing familiar faces in. I think going back to like the Thurber house, yeah. you can actually make it a happier place. And the fact that if you're opening back up and you're getting that energy back in there, I would not be surprised if there's a couple of ghosts in there that want to say a thing or two. Uh, or sing. I mean, wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> we, we've we've actually captured that before, which, yeah, it was at the opera house that we went to that there was somebody, a man singing on the stage. And the most amazing thing I'll have to uh, dig the file out and I'll send it to you guys because we keep trying to find somebody who can identify the tune. Um, my mom's an opera oh, wow. singer. It, it's a man singing and he is clear. There are clearly notes. Yeah. I'll, I mean, it's, wow. I, I'm not going to embarrass everybody by, by trying to do it, but it's oh, probably on. no, no, <laughs> there's, there's just tea in here. <laughs> Josh, it's not gonna, do it. But yeah. there's, there, there's yeah. probably, have you heard it, Josh? The, it's, that it's been a while but there i, I want to say that there's at least seven or eight notes and there's there's a fluctuation in the pitch and we were up wow. in the catwalk when that happened and did not hear it and it was like at 2 30 in the morning there was nobody in there except us so I, i'll dig it out see if she can uh yeah send it because uh mom's an opera singer but i also have a good friend who was my music director for my show here at the cpac who's also a male opera singer who may be able to identify that all right, awesome. there you go. So, and, and and Ben, if you're into like cleaning up audio, I can send you clips too. If that's oh man, do I look? I do a lot of cleaning up of audio. So <laughs> yeah, um, time is the the the, yeah, the thing. But yeah, no, no, I and I would love to hear some uh, some EVP and some other stuff too, and see whatever evidence you guys have. I, I'm I'm into it. So yeah, I'm I mean it, it's cool. But, yeah, because there's the one that I can think of is there were there was one from um, oh, what was the Oliver House up near uh, Toledo that I was doing an investigation solo. It was for one of my books and I had set a microphone up and it was just me and th the lady that was helping me sort of set things up. And I put the headphones on to try to hear and it was in the haunted hallway, but there was a, um, an air conditioning, a blower that was on and it was just so loud. And I was like, is there any way we can turn that off? And she's like, no, it's automatic. So we ended up, I didn't even listen to any of that until about two years later when I was archiving anything. And there is somebody whistling a song, not like coming through a vent kind of that. It's It's got yeah. pitches going up, but it's got this fan noise over the top of it that we can't pull it apart mm. enough, but it it probably goes on for about 35 seconds. Oh, and it's wow. it's a tune and it has there's a rise and fall to it and so what sort yeah. of software are you rocking on that 
Um, See, this, I this don't is how know. Geeky, the show's about to get. I'm sorry, Krista. This is no. I'm trying to think talk. that. <laughs> I know. I know. I went aside because I can do audacity, and then I fall by the wayside. But I want to. Is there a Pro Tools? Pro Tools is a is a software that is used usually. It's like music production, that kind of thing. I use Audition, uh, which is the part of the Adobe Creative Suite, and it's yeah. kind of like. I mean, if, if you're listening to this podcast right now, I'm using it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's all kind of really the same software, just different names on it and looks and feels that kind of thing. Josh, you know what Mark was using? It's I want to say it was Pro Tools. Because I know that we had had Pro the conversation. And Audacity, I think, are probably the most entry level. Most people tend to get them with, like, you know, you buy your microphone, you get a free copy of Pro Tools or something like that. So Yeah, because I know we had had the conversation, too. Because um, me and my wife, we use uh, WavePad for everything. But I don't know if yeah. I don't know if that's what Mark was talking about or not. But I want to say it was Pro Tools. I'm pretty sure. I thought it was. I could be wrong. But I can find out if you're at all interested in it. Sure. Yeah. I'd love to. That sounds cool. What? <laughs> <laughs> Did that not come through? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I'd love to. That sounds cool. This, this, <laughs> I when thought ben I hit says, mute. This is why he's here is legit. I couldn't have a podcast if Ben weren't here because I don't know what the crap any of this stuff is. So, <laughs> yeah, I just talked. He's lost, just a lost child most of the time. So, <laughs> surrounded by ghosts in the haunted CPAC right now. See, that's awesome. I had to. I'm sorry. <laughs> See, where else would you rather be? You know. Um, I can think of several places. <laughs> it is coronavirus, after all. But so uh, to finalize things, should is there anything I should be doing here in the CPAC for the ghosts in this time? Any recommendations of what I should be doing for them? Um, I d I don't know if there is anything more that you can really be doing because you've you've kind of acknowledged them um i don't think you can bring more people in no i mean if they to put it another way i i think josh would agree that if there was something negative there you would know okay so i think the there i mean there's no deny and i mean that happens so rarely so i'm i'm telling you that because i don't want you to be scared of it and if the, the fact that you're just acknowledging it and they're kind of cool with it, I think you just keep doing that. I mean, I, I don't, I would say that if you feel like you want to talk to it more, you can, no, I'm good. but if you don't, as long as you've acknowledged it, I mean, it's fine. You know, I mean, there's not, you could tell them that we're coming eventually. <laughs> Or you can tell them the people are coming back. That's probably what they uh, want. Chris, you, know? you need somebody to run scenes with you because that could be helpful, right? I want to do a yeah. scene with a ghost, okay? Why wouldn't you? That sounds rad. <laughs> I think we got to get Ben an application of the Ghost of Ohio, Josh. <laughs> He's in. <laughs> no, I mean, well, if, if the ghosts want a scene partner... I'm fine with that, but I need time to pick out a script. I need to know what ages we're looking at because that's really going to settle on our material here. So it's going to take some work. I'm already doing a lot of work. I don't want to do scene work with a ghost right now. I'm tired. Especially if it has like choreography or something like that. Then oh, that's a definite. That. No. <laughs> here's a here's a weird thing though. Is it possible that while you're there, you can just play music 
I was going to say that. Yeah. Like over in a particular area or just in general? Just in general, but if you could do it throughout the entire thing, you know, I mean, because again, you're bringing back sort of a theater like experience. That's true. I play music. I'm going to suggest Cisco's The Thong Song on repeat at like top volume for just hours. So everyone can hear it. Yeah, I'm going to pretend I don't understand any of those (laughs) words. I, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I think then the ghost would be angry and we don't want to do that because then I would be angry listening to that song. Anyway. It might elicit a response. Let's put it that way. That's true. So. That's true. <laughs> no, that's an interesting idea just to have, because I mean, we've, we have used the space a little bit and put on, uh, I did a little demo video in our main theater in the shed um, and we did play music through it. And it was just, there was this overwhelming sense for me of just like elation. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, anything you can do to, to try to like pump energy back into the space and back into the building. I mean, but you know, I think music would, would be a perfect starting point, you know, maybe try different styles of music, maybe, you know, um, Broadway music, you know, theater music, just, you know, just take note of, you know, things you might notice or things you see, things you feel and just kind of see, I mean, the more responsive you are and the more that you kind of put it out there to them, like, Hey, I acknowledge you. I know you're here. It, it really starts to change a lot of things. Yeah. That's interesting. It gets, it gets really trippy, but you could even go if, cause you mentioned about the, the guy who committed suicide, if, if he was a real person and they believe that he's still there, find out when he lived, you know, and maybe play music from that time period and see what happens, you know, you know, or, or if there are other, spirits there that are tied to a specific time period or you know what were the plays that would have been taking place there and try doing that we did a really interesting experiment which i think worked um it was at the the library where the um the head librarian was murdered we found when we were doing the research that her son became a who was sadly there at the time where she she was shot in the building that he grew up and became a, a somewhat famous sort of vaudeville mm. um, singer, banjo player or something. And it's a long-winded story that I'll cut short, but I, I had actually inherited a uh, 1926 Victrola that I was mm. fixing up mm. and found that in 1926, her son had recorded a song that he sang, but it was, I don't remember the original version was about, Oh, how I miss my something, but he changed the title and the words to, Oh, how I miss my mother. And we went in there and I played it on the Victrola and recorded it and turned it into MP3. And we went out, uh, the, the librarian's name was Lida. And we started the investigation by saying like, Lida, we heard what happened to you. It was incredibly sad. And we don't know if you found out what happened to your son, but he ended up being fine. He became famous. And he, we don't know if you were ever able to hear his music. And so we played it over and over again to the point where Wendy, one of our investigators, was like, we're not playing that again. <laughs> but the weird thing is that when we were doing a session a second time and we didn't play the music, And Josh, you'll have to correct me because I'm probably going to butcher it, but Josh was actually listening through headphones 
through a spirit box. It was basically just static. Yeah. And he was just saying anything that he heard. And was it that a voice said, where's the music? Yeah, there, there was a voice that came through. And it was real pause, but it was like, where's the music? Oh. And so we were like, so Josh said that and we were like, do you want us to play the music? And of course, Wendy was like, we're not putting, because it was very Shining-esque because it was all this like distorted <laughs> going through a dark library. But but we played it and we ended up getting weird. Um, that night, there was, Ben, you'll like this story, but I, I can't tell all of it. But basically, um, only one of our microphones it was like there was a cut in on that microphone. The other three microphones kept recording. There was a cut in and it, it was like, it was like somebody punched in and said something right up against the microphone. And then there was a punch out. The voice sounded very much like Wendy and who was one of our investigators, except when we looked at it, it was similar to Wendy, but it wasn't Wendy. And Wendy was nowhere near that microphone when it happened. Wow. And yeah, it's a whole, other, th that place, all kinds of crazy things happened because I heard Wendy laughing and she never laughed. And when you go back and listen to it, it we call it the Wendy laugh because it's similar to Wendy but it's not her. Wow. And you hear me in one point on, on another microphone saying, no, what's it set on? But I'm not in that room. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And I've seen microphones and recording systems do weird stuff anyway. And like, you know, that's, that's where like the intrigue for me lives. Like, cause I mean, like I'll have one day where I'll go to, to my studio and have no problems with any kind of technology whatsoever. Weeks will go by and no problems with technology. And then one day every piece of technology turns against me and it's like everything that I'm trying to do doesn't work right. Or all kinds of weird problems bleed yep. in and no. stuff like that. But like, and I've seen tech do some weird, weird, weird stuff. So yeah, I mean, is that, paranormal maybe maybe not but like it's it's you know there there's enough there that you know yeah it's it, you're exactly right is that, it a go is it the ghost in the machine or is it really a ghost you know and that's because we spent hours going back over all of the audio from that night trying to say did i because the our mixing board has got a built-in hard drive so it just goes right into the hard drive so we went back and listened to see if at any point during the night did i say no what's it set on and it somehow managed to freak out and it picked up an artifact and threw yeah. it in there i never said it but that was on and this is where i'm like i can't believe i did this but it was actually on the hard drive with like five other investigations so i sat madness <laughs> and, 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 and listen to all of them, four studio microphones, five investigate to see if I ever said that. And I never did, but yeah. it doesn't mean that it couldn't have been something weird that happened that just yeah. stuck it there. But again, those are the questions that we're trying to answer. And that's the thrill of the chase, you know, goes back to that. Yeah. Yep. yep. I dig so it. Exciting. That's cool. <laughs> oh my gosh. You guys have been so much fun. Thank you. Honestly, I love, I love the fact that we're we're done with this and I'm kind of like, okay, I'm not scared. Cause it, you know, it is something like your mind gets worked up and you, I have 
probably, as you can assume as an actor, a very overactive imagination. So it's, you know, I think that's where a lot of the fear comes in. But just the idea of playing music for them, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I think they would love that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I would, too, you know. So how can people find you? How can people get in touch with you and, and learn a little bit more if they'd like to do so? Yes, plug your books and everything, too. Yeah. Um, the easiest way is our website is ghostsofohio.org. We're all on the Twitter and the Facebook and all that kind of stuff. Um, if they're interested in me as a weird person, it's strangeandspookyworld.com. So there you're, you're still going to get the ghost stuff, but you're also going to get UFOs and monsters and all kinds of stuff because that's, it's, it's something that's very endearing to me about Ohio is that when I, was moving here and I said to somebody, you know, I, I've never lived in Ohio. What can you tell me about Ohio? And this was the response I got, which struck me so much that it, it became the, the introduction to my book, Weird Ohio. The, but what they told me was, I don't know. I, I think a lot of people drive through Ohio. And, and I immediately thought, well, great, this is, but Ohio is just a weird, weird state. And what I love about it is we're proud to be weird. I've, I've, I've written a couple of books for the weird series. So like weird Indiana and um, Ohioans are proud to be weird. And it's, it's, it's a great thing because you can just go up to somebody and they'll be like, tell me something weird about Ohio. And they will, they will just, they love sharing stories about weird things. And so strange and spooky world.com is where you'll be able to find all of my books and find out if, you know, there really was a UFO crash in Roswell that made its way to Dayton, Ohio, and all that kind of fun stuff. You know, it's it's a weird state. It really is. Or, I mean, if you're looking for my books, you know, Amazon has got them all. Or the best part is that if you type Weird Willis into a search engine, you'll fall down a very strange and deep rabbit hole. But but Ghosts of Ohio, same thing. If you type in Ghosts of Ohio, you'll, you'll find us. And don't forget to sign up for the newsletter. Oh, yes, our, our newsletter. <laughs> and there's a big one coming out uh, for our Halloween issue. Um, yeah, thank you, Josh. Yeah, if you go to uh, ghostsofohio.org, you can sign up for our free newsletter. We um, send it out every other month. I think we're pushing 4,000 subscribers, but it's it's free and it's got everything from book reviews, movie reviews. Josh has done a series of interviews with famous people in the field. Um, we did somebody that was actually putting out a paranormal based uh, like game that they have. Um, we do, like I said, book reviews, movie reviews, equipment reviews. And if it wasn't a global pandemic, it would have a list of all the different places. We were doing public ghost hunts as well as presentations. So you'd get the chance to come out and meet us and get to hear all of our weird evidence that, you know, stuff that we can't explain. And that to me is always what it's about is because I've, I've, I found that no matter how many years I've done this, I've found out that it doesn't matter whether or not you believe in ghosts or not, but everybody's got a story to tell you about them. So we will meet people that are like, I can't believe you look for ghosts. That's ridiculous. They don't exist. But, you know, there was this one time that my uncle, you know, and then they tell you the scariest story. So I think that's a great thing that I can't wait for us to get back out there and start doing our presentations again, because it's 
the best part about telling a ghost story and sharing your experience is sharing them with people. And it's just like you're around that ghostly campfire and you're swapping stories. And that's really what this is all about. Just telling stories and just sitting there and having your two bottle conversation and wondering what is out there. Cause that's what keeps me going because if nothing else, ghosts confirm to me that there's something after this. You know, there's something that follows. I don't know what it is, but I really think there is something that comes after this. Otherwise, I'm going to really feel like I got ripped off here. So so if nothing else, it makes me believe there's something better coming. That's awesome. Oh, you guys have been a downright blast. Thank you so much for coming on our, our little podcast. Hey, it was my pleasure. Thanks, yeah. Josh. Hey, no thank problem. You yeah, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I mean, I look forward to the day that we can actually hang out and, and do this for real again. Yeah, and 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 start keeping a journal now. If anything happens, you know, if things yep. start happening, doesn't have to be anything fancy, just date, time, and what happened. Mm -hmm. And if you want, I can set Wendy and Sam loose and have them start trying to dig into the history of the building. I, by all we, give, we give you anything we get. We don't share it with anybody, but you'll get copies and... We've uh, we've actually been talking. Oh, I almost been... fell out of my chair. Did you see that? <laughs> He's so excited. <laughs> I was. So after my podcast, we're going to have nightmares tonight, and you're going to have vertigo. So that's great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, we actually have been in discussion about. I, I'm trying to put together the history of the CPAC, and speak with former actors that are well into retirement now but just sort of their experiences with it over the years and how the building has changed i'm just i'm fascinated by the history of this place so my boss said go ahead um so we'll we'll see i uh, i do i teach a lot of children so and i have two and i'm exhausted most of the time so it's gonna be a long <laughs> process, but yeah i think that'd be a really cool place to start too so but thank you thank you thank you thank you guys um, thank you it's my pleasure. Happy Halloween too. Indeed. <laughs> um, so if you if you like what you're hearing, like subscribe. We are on SoundCloud. We're on iTunes. We're on the YouTube. We're on the Facebook. I joined Twitter. I still don't get it. I'm gonna figure it out. But really, nobody needs to hear what Twitter I'm is just endless hot takes forever. That's <laughs> it is really hot takes with ha with hashtags. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, sounds like a bad cool. breakfast. <laughs> but thank you all for listening to speak easily and yeah let, let me know when you're gonna run this and i'll, I'll push it out on all the it'll be i'll uh, even put it on twitter when we're going up so what's that yeah it'll be next tuesday when it goes okay up. so yep awesome yep yeah we want to so. get you guys up before halloween so yeah you can so you can promote the spook easily podcast ah <laughs> i love it yeah I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty proud of that one I, I don't know. you should be I do the dad jokes in my house. So I, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you guys. Have a wonderful night. We really appreciate it so much. Okay. Thank Take you. care. Thanks Good. guys. Thank, thank you guys. guys. Boxland Media. Think big.